classroom, I would spend two weeks at the beginning of the year going in and putting all these wonderful, uh, colorful things all over in my classroom, right? And to make it, you know, visually pleasing, I thought. And then when she came in and we had talked about, you know, how, you know, people's brains, they're not always the same and what might be attractive to you might be distracting to somebody else. So I spent a long time redoing my classroom that year and it was huge. It was amazing. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us again on our podcast, FASD Through a Variety of Lenses. In this episode, we are excited to sit down with two classroom teachers. Both of these teachers have had different opportunities to learn about FASD-informed approach from PopFast. It will be interesting to hear how this approach has impacted their teaching practice and the effect it has had on their students. As well, I am really looking forward to this conversation because one of the teachers is brand new, finishing her first year, and the other one has taught for over 27 years. All right, so let's get to it. Why don't we start off by sharing a little bit about yourselves? I'm Nona. I taught 27 years in the elementary school system um, from actually grade two to grade seven. So I've taught all those. And right now, currently, I'm teaching at an alt-ed school and, and I've been here for two years. Awesome, thank you. And Karina? I'm Karina. Uh, this is my, I just finished up my first full year of teaching. Uh, Congratulations. So thank you. So I'm fresh and full of energy. And uh, yeah, I'm at the same school that you taught at and that Nona had taught at as well. Awesome. And what grade do you teach right now? I teach grade four or five. Awesome. Very cool. And uh, last year you picked up a small little contract as a resource teacher at a different school? Yeah. Awesome. Um, for May and June, I picked up uh, an LD as a resource teacher. Cool. Uh, right out of uh, university. Right so out of university. You graduated on the 27th and you had a contract on like the 30th? On the 30th, on yeah. the 30th. Oh, wow. Just the weekend in between. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so um, next question. Uh, in just maybe a couple sentences, what do you love about teaching? Nona, do you want to start this one off? It's got to be the kids, right? And um, also the other friends that you make, right? Our colleagues. And, um, and I also love learning. Yeah. <laughs> I love learning how to figure out how to teach these kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never ending, eh? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. And Karina? Um, the kids, obviously, and the relationships you build with them and the role that you hold in their lives. And uh, yeah, just being that smiling face that they know they get to see day in and day out for, throughout the whole year. And uh, yeah, the learning that happens every day with them and with me and my other colleagues. All right, so uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to sit down with you is that you both have had opportunities to learn about an FASD-informed approach from PopFast. And uh, so I was hoping that uh, this two-part question, uh, can you share what that training looked like? And then the second part, uh, maybe a couple things from that training that afterwards it kind of stuck with you and you maybe decided to implement within your classroom. There's quite a bit. Um, during teacher training, we had Stacy Wakabayashi come in and give a presentation to our cohort on an FASD informed, I guess, like approach to teaching and just some background information on FASD. Um, Within that, was there anything that stuck out to you? Like when, as, and maybe if, if you recall from any of the other university students you were sitting with, is, is there anything that was like you, you heard or you left there with that? Um, yeah, we definitely all agreed that it was one of the most informative presentations of our entire teacher training. Uh -huh. Like, um, the eight keys definitely stuck with a bunch of us. And, um, especially with you coming back mm -hmm. into the school and teaching our whole school, um, about the eight keys. Um, also having Stacy's um, sort of scenarios that he was in and seeing how he um, reacted to certain students and some of the approaches that he took were really helpful. And then uh, also in my brief stint as a resource teacher, I uh, sought out Stacy's um, 
knowledge to help me work with one of my students on my caseload. Um, and that was really helpful as well. Awesome, very cool. And Nona? I was involved with a co-teaching um, series with uh, some other uh, high school colleagues because I was coming from the elementary system mm -hmm. and then into the secondary system. So that was really nice because I saw the lens of the older um, students and, and the teachers that they had and how that fit together. Mm -hmm. um, so we met once a week for, I think it was, oh, I, I want to say eight to ten weeks. Oh, wow. And um, it was amazing. It's basically really helped me um, know how to use those eight keys even though I was familiar with them and that in this setting with the older students right because mm -hmm. I always had that foundation of the younger kids and yes I need to have visuals I need to do things in my classroom and I realized I have to do that here too mm -hmm. right what age group do you have here I have grade 10 okay nine and ten a few nines and tens but yes yeah, yeah. and that co-teaching was that um you said a weekly kind of training session with the pop fast teacher consultant and they would go over like the fas fasd informed practice oh and, definitely yeah. yes we it was it was great um eight keys and the brain and strategies and what was really nice is that we heard about the strategies but then you got to go back that week yeah. you tried them out but then you got to share how they it, it went with all the other teachers and we each had a different right experience and different things and then we learned from each other as well oh, so yeah. that was really cool that is really cool. You know, uh, we do a, a fast class, which is like four sessions, hour and a half each session. And that's the same thing that I hear from the participants is their favorite part about that fast class um, series is that they get to collaborate together. Very cool. Um, and was there anything from that co-teaching that really stood out to you uh, and that you implemented within your classroom from that one? What was huge for me um, is the environment and that we don't want all these visuals all over my classroom. I would spend two weeks at the beginning of the year going in and putting all these wonderful, uh, colorful things all over in my classroom, right? Yeah. And to make it, you know, visually pleasing, I thought. Yeah. And then when she came in and we had talked about know how you know people's brains they're not always the same and what might be attractive to you might be distracting to somebody else so I spent a long time redoing my classroom that year and that was the year before I, I, I left yeah. and it was huge yeah. it was amazing yeah. um, and I continue to do that here yeah, so just limiting that, that sensory input of like having so much stimulus kind of. And even the colors that you're supposed to use, yeah. uh, like a neutral kind of beige color and um, just how you organize your classroom so there's not so many things that you see, like we had curtains mm -hmm. over the shelving. So, um, and then being very um, specific as to if you're going to put something up that it needs to be why you're putting it up and mm -hmm. why the students it's got to be a tool that the students are going to be able to use right yeah. and that if you do put up things and and we did it was it was taught and we used them mm -hmm. so that then they knew oh okay we use that together in that lesson okay now i can use this and right. then we could you know, everything has a purpose. I know everything when, had a purpose. When I first started teaching, I felt like, okay, I have my own classroom now. This is awesome. But now I, I need to like acquire stuff. Uh, and I remember being yes. in a staff room and like uh, where people would like discard a whole bunch of stuff that they didn't want anymore. And you grab and it all. Grabbing it all <laughs> and putting up this like 80s poster of this monkey with a banana. And the quote was like, uh, homework <gasps> makes me go bananas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And I put that up for like three years because I thought it was hilarious and it was pretty funny. So very cool. Thank you, uh, Nona, for sharing that. Um, I, and I've just shared when Jody came into our school and kind of did that just generic what is FASD presentation. That was the mm -hmm. first time that I got that. And I think that was probably maybe my sixth year there. 
and it made a lot of sense. Um, she spoke on how individuals that are prenatally exposed to alcohol can have slower processing. And that was the first time that I kind of really thought about not just my students that were designated, but other students, because she also talked about the prevalence and the challenge of getting that diagnosis, that there there's a good chance that there's other students that are impacted by alcohol that will not have that designation. Um, and, and, and how how many students uh, benefited from when I took what Jody was saying about the processing speed and really slowed down what I wanted to share, especially if it was important, and repeated it, like you had mentioned the eight mm -hmm. keys, because uh, that was shared as well. And so a lot of these strategies, things um, from that, from PopFast coming in, really did make an impact on the way that I kind of presented information kind of way that I taught. So I'm uh, glad to hear that that kind of uh, worked in with you guys as well. All right, so uh, next question. As a teacher, we know the importance of relationships. Uh, what are some ways you connect with your students and how has it impacted them? So Karina, let's start off with you. Um, what I love, probably, well, definitely my favorite thing about teaching are the relationships that I have with my students. Um, well, every Monday morning, they know that we have circle. And, but except we call it jelly bean because there's too many kids in the class <laughs> uh, to actually have a complete circle. Mm -hmm. So we have a jelly bean and they look forward to it every Monday because they get to tell everybody about their weekend and they know they each get the time um, with nobody else interrupting. They hold our talking piece, which is a finger puppet squirrel named Mr. Pickles Chuck Norris because when <laughs> we're 10, we name everything. Yes. And uh, yeah, they get to pass around the talking piece and share about their weekend. And I always make a point of starting off and sharing about my weekend. And I'm very real with them mm -hmm. when I share about my weekend. Like if I have a weekend that, you know, wasn't really great. I'll tell them, you know, like mm -hmm. I didn't really have that good of a weekend. Um, and, you know, I was really excited to come here Monday morning and get to see all your faces and, you know, turn my week around and make it a whole lot better. Um, same with when, I don't know, I just like, I feel like me being real with them mm -hmm. um, is a really key part to our relationship. Um, because whether I'm having a really good day or a tired day or, you know, I'm really reflective on how I'm feeling to sort of model, you know, that uh, we're not always feeling 100%, but, you know, there are ways that we can still get through our day mm -hmm. and uh, ways we can still make our day better and how we adapt. And uh, I feel like in turn, they're quite expressive to me um, how they feel and, um, you know, being able to model behavior and mood and strategies for coping with how you're feeling, I feel like is really important to our relationship as well. Yeah. And just giving them a lot of choice too, I feel is huge. Mm -hmm. um, they Basically everything they do, they have a choice. It's either this or this. Um, I don't care what you choose to talk about or what, you know, topic you want or even how you write it like i just mm -hmm. would like you to complete this how you go about it is you know up to you and i think they really appreciate having that choice mm -hmm. in terms of you know in terms of academics and in terms of like doing fun activities throughout the day like mm -hmm. if they need a movement break lots of movement breaks um, if they need a movement break i'm not going to make you do a go noodle mm -hmm. if you want to play mini sticks play mini sticks if mm -hmm. you want to just walk around walk around so are you kind of saying that you actually mm. treat them like real people i do <laughs> uh, and nona how about yourself uh some ways that you have that you connect with your students and how it has it impacted them and you know what I, i'm very similar to you right being real um we do a daily check-in and it looks different depending on what the kids want to do. It might be sitting around talking. It might be throwing a ball that has questions on it and getting them to respond. It might be like a would you rather um, going for a walk. But I'm always sharing about myself because I think that with any relationship, you learn about that person by sharing yourself, right? And same with you. You know, if I have a crappy weekend or something happens, I tell them. And I'm, I've actually broken down and cried in front of them. And I think it kind of shocks them at first. But, oh my gosh, the 
the compassion and the kindness that you get, they, mm -hmm. it's, it's like amazing, mm -hmm. right? And um, yeah, um, they're wonderful people, mm -hmm. right? And you treat them like a wonderful mm -hmm. person and you treat them like you care and we do care, um, but you also do um, tell them when you're feeling disrespected. Mm -hmm. And I did that a lot in my class. Mm -hmm. I, I would say, you know, the way you responded to me right now makes me feel horrible. And, mm -hmm. I, and I'll never forget uh, coming here to mm -hmm. working with the older kids. I was kind of like, oh, do I know how to connect with these kids? Because I've been in with the younger kids all this time, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of a little scared, but I was like, no, I'll just, you know, share about myself, shared about my my kids and, and my pets and things that are happening to me. And um, it was, it was, they responded. They started sharing about their things and some of the things I, I didn't know about. So they, they were actually, I've, I've learned a lot. Okay. <laughs> a lot of new terms I didn't know before. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't, I'm like open to like, oh, I didn't know that. And they're like shocked, like, mm -hmm. you mean you want to know about that? I was like, well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. The, the, the importance of relationships seems to be becoming more and more prominent in like on Twitter and on Edutopia, like all these kind of different things that are coming out with research about the importance of relationships. And I'm just wondering in your 27 years of teaching, have you noticed that like did you in that evolution oh. of that teacher-student oh, definitely uh, connection my first year way back when i i honestly felt um for the first little while that i was like a warden a mm -hmm. prison warden mm -hmm. and i'd be like no no you can't do this and this and that and whatever and i i, I was like this is not what teaching's about like what am i doing wrong mm -hmm. um i thought i had to keep them in line I thought it, uh, they had to toe the rules. Well, I mean, we do need to do that, mm -hmm. but in the way I was doing it, yeah. right, was not, it didn't work, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah, they responded because, I mean, I had a bigger bark yeah. <laughs> yeah. than they did, right? But I didn't have the connections, I didn't have the relationships, right? And I learned that really quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a tough school, too. Yeah. So a lot of the teachers, speaking of one of the teachers you mentioned, um, she was actually afraid of my kids the first year she was there. Mm -hmm. right? She was like, oh my God, I can't understand how <gasps> you're not afraid of them. Yeah. right? And I'm like, they're just kids, but they've been through things that we wouldn't even imagine. So yeah, I need to change something. Mm -hmm. And that was the number one thing I... I figured out very early, right? Mm -hmm. And then it just keeps going to here. And then I'll never remember one of the last year, one of my students um, was having a hard time, you know, doing one of my assignments. And another thing that I always felt with all my students is I had to explain why I was doing things. Mm -hmm. Because in their mind, fairness is huge. Mm -hmm. Right. So why am I doing this and this other person isn't and whatever and like and explaining all that. But just why I'm asking you to do this and how is it connected to everything else? And um, the student just wasn't buying into this. And I was feeling really crappy. And one of my colleagues um, noticed and a youth care worker. We have lots of youth care workers here. And she, she said, well, do you want to just sit down with that person mm -hmm. and talk? And she facilitated us talking. And I actually broke down. And I was like, I said, you don't realize that I spent like three hours on that lesson for you. And I made it specifically for you. And I, I did it different for somebody else. And it took me a long, long time. And then when you don't even want to try that, I said, that just, that upsets me. Because I took, I took all that time last night doing that for you. And the look on his, the person's face was like shock. And he goes, I'm sorry, I did not realize you do that for me. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing because now 
he actually thanks me, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it was just being honest. Yeah. They really don't know how much time yeah. we put mm -hmm. in and they yeah. don't sometimes really understand how much we care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right? that's, that's so true. Um, and, and just kind of speak on behalf of that relationships piece, uh, in my classroom, I, I don't know, are you familiar with like the two by 10? I think I've shared mm -hmm. the two by 10 uh, with you, but uh, it was the same thing of where some of the students that I struggled with the most, uh, when I started doing the two by 10, which was the idea is like meet with uh, a student for two minutes, 10 days in a row and kind of yeah. get to know them. We did something a little bit different where I was meeting with one student for five to 10 minutes per day and then a different student the next day. But it was within that time frame, within those five to 10 minutes, that some of the students that I was struggling with the most um, had so much going on in their lives and I had no clue. And, uh, and it just gave me that increased patience and empathy for their responses to when I was asking them to do something mm -hmm. or, you know, um, and just how honest and open they are when you're honest and open mm -hmm. with them. Yep. And, and that changed. And you, and you know how it is like as, as, as teachers, when you kind of get some of those more challenging students on your side, it changes the whole mm -hmm. mood of that classroom. And then you store, you sort of like, and then that just allows for more and more students to kind of like build that classroom environment as they kind of understand that you're there to support them and help them. So same thing, like uh, sitting down um, and getting to know these kids and what they're going through uh, makes such a difference. Has it, has it evolved for you? I know you've just been teaching for a year, but like from the beginning of the year, uh, having your very first class till now, have you noticed a difference in kind of like how you approach that connection and that relationship piece? At the beginning of the year, I remember thinking, oh, you know what? Like, I feel like I know these kids pretty well. But looking back on it in May, I'm like thinking, oh my goodness, like giving up these kids to the next teacher yeah. next year. It's like, but those are my kids. Like, <laughs> I feel like, you know, we're, we're with each other all day, every day. And I can see how teaching would be a lot different if you don't take the time to establish those relationships at the mm -hmm. beginning like because i think september october i mean we did academics but not nearly as much as we are now because mm -hmm. i spent so much time mm -hmm. you know building a repertoire with them and establishing routine and getting to know them mm -hmm. and for them to get for them to trust me it was just as important as me being able to trust them because i feel like now that we've established that you know i'm not just getting them to do work just because yeah. you know i think part of that is the routine too like we have the same routine every week they know that on friday afternoons they get ketchup and pickles mm -hmm. which is a time where um if they haven't finished all their work for the week that's their time to catch up mm -hmm. um but if they finished all their work then they get a pickles so they get to you know go on prodigy on the computer play twister you know draw on the whiteboards you know, yeah. do some sort of activity. And I think that having those things, it took a bit to like implement and for them to get used to, you know, what that structure is gonna look like. But now that they know, like they want to get their work done, they're working mm -hmm. through their, what we call mindfulness time, which is after lunch, instead of silent reading, they can read, but it's just silent time. I put calming visuals on the screen, like a beach and there's waves crashing or there's calming music and that's their time to just chill out after nice. recess and lunch and now that they know that they want to have their fun time during ketchup and pickles time they'll work through that yeah they'll like catch up on their work on their own time because mm -hmm. like you know they want to have that pickles time at the end of the week and i mean yeah it's about an hour and a half that we could be doing socials or science but mm -hmm. to have them buy into what I'm doing oh, because yeah. you know they want to get it done and to have that time for kids who are like you know absent throughout the week yeah. or and by Friday a lot of uh, our <laughs> complex learners uh, especially Friday afternoon mm -hmm. they're done yeah mm -hmm. and so to get them to do those science or socials as you say yeah is, uh, is uh, can be very difficult all right, so, uh, and that kind of touches on the environment. So we know that environment, which is the structure of the classroom setting, can have a big impact on student learning. So in your classrooms right now, is there anything that's really working well for you that you would like to share? And Nona, how about I start off with you? It's kind of a big question, but like yeah. in, in your classroom, like what's, what's working for you when it comes to the structure of it or the setting? 
Well, like I said, I set my room up the same way I had in the elementary school system. And actually, it was interesting because uh, when I did that, these older kids were like, kind of feels like an elementary school <laughs> in here. And I'm like, okay, so, but do you know where everything is? Mm, yeah, I don't have to get anything yeah. for you, right? Yeah. And I also implemented, like, they have their own uh, portfolios. So I actually don't need to hand things out at the front of the right. room. They can go into their own folders, so more independence in that way. Mm -hmm. um, but so uh, things that are up on the walls are there for a purpose. Um, there's things, it's very spacious. Uh, I have desks that are actually large enough, which oh, was yeah. my biggest pet peeve being in an elementary school, oh, yeah. is having, uh, you know, five foot ten grade seven boy who yeah. had size, you know, 12 feet and was sitting in a teeny tiny little desk. Yeah. That's not comfortable. Yeah. Right? So that was huge for me. So I actually, in my, my room, have really big desks or tables. Um, and they can sit there. I have comfortable chairs. I have office rolly chairs. I have the kind of stool wobbly chairs. And then I have the normal kinds of chairs. So different kinds of mm -hmm. sitting mm -hmm. um, seats for them so that they're actually comfortable. Yeah. And do they get to choose as they well? They choose. Yeah. So the oh, yeah. option of choosing So is some days, you know, when somebody's trying to stay awake or whatever, they'll switch to the wobbly kind mm -hmm. of stool seating. And yeah. then um, when, you know, they aren't feeling like lots of them, you know, Physically, sometimes, if they've been, you know, hiking and doing lots of other kinds of things outside or skateboarding, longboarding now that they do, um, they, yeah, they choose their seating. Yeah. And that oh, was really important. Nice. Yeah. And Karina, how about yourself? Uh, in your class setting, is there anything that you can think of that you purposefully do to support those students? Yeah, uh, the seating as well. Uh, we have a wiggle seat. We have one of those spiky blue seats that oh, are kind of like inflatable. Uh, there's the three spin bikes at the back of the class, yeah. which are huge. Um, and now, kind of by accident, we now have a camping chair. I've seen that. That is in rotation. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, it's cool because we have a list. That way it's inclusive and all of the students get the nice. opportunity to use the fun seats. And I just mm -hmm. go down the list and they remind me every morning, oh, we didn't do the seats yet. So we do the seats. And it's cool because at first when I started it, I thought, oh, they're just going to like, they're all going to want them and they're going to sit on them even if they, you know, just to like have them, you yeah. know. But now it's neat because they've, a lot of them will be like, no, I don't want it. You can go to the next yeah. person. Oh, um, nice. So that novelty is kind of worn off. Yeah. And all the kids who need it, yeah. use it. And same yeah. with the bikes. The bikes are yeah. awesome for when there's a lot of discussion time. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like we had to establish the expectation of if you're on the bike, how to pedal on the bike properly. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, you're not talking if you're on the bike. And now I even trust them to put the laptops or put grab a clipboard. And they can do their work on the bikes too, even. Nice. Um, or on the little shelf beside the bikes. Yeah. They'll even do their work on there too. And um, some students more than others, like I will ask them, hey, do you want right. to go on a bike right now? Because uh, mm -hmm. I can see they're getting a little squirrely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, even like I don't care if they're kind of sitting off their seats. Like I have a few mm -hmm. students, especially lately, I don't know if it's getting warmer out or they're, you know, just kind of falling off the train a little bit, but they won't even sit in their seat. They'll kind of just like crouch down in front of their desk. Yeah. I'm like, sure. Yeah. As long as you're comfortable and you're doing your work, you can lay on the floor. Like, yeah. I really don't care how you do your work, but they have the option of how they sit. Um, yeah. We have a table at the back um, where there's certain students who I prefer to sit back there because yeah. I know that they really do benefit from the, you know, more individualized support. But then once those few spots are taken, I'll be like, hey, who else wants to sit back mm -hmm. there today? Oh, nice. And everybody wants to, and it's really neat. And I try to make it fair for like, oh, you haven't got to sit back there yet. You can go sit back there. And it makes it more inclusive for the students who, I mean, by grade five, they kind of know, you know, that like they really do benefit from that extra support or that certain students mm -hmm. often, you know, work back there. But it's really cool to see that everybody wants to work back there. Yeah. And it makes it a neat environment for the students who more often work at the back. 
what I uh, one thing I picked up there is that that's so great. And I think often we kind of forget about it. You were saying you teach how to use those spin bikes, and all too often we have things in our classroom that we just hand out or we give or we just expect students to know, and then they don't use it properly, and then. Mm-hmm. Then we, g- then we, <laughs> you know, give them a consequence or take yes, it away. Yes. Um, and uh, so many kids potentially might be having missing or lagging mm-hmm. skills and kind of need that repetition, that, that direct teaching mm-hmm. of that skill. And so, um, and when I had the spin bikes in my classroom too, that was such an essential and important part of what were the expected behaviors on those spin bikes, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to use them and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that's great. And it's for any tool, whether it's the headphones that, mm-hmm. you know, you use or the wiggly seat that both of you mm-hmm. have in your classroom because mm-hmm. there's the potential for falling off and hurting yourself. But mm-hmm. if you give the expectations and you teach it, then you know they generally do mm-hmm. a really good job. I think in terms of like environment too, um, the students know where everything is. Mm-hmm. They yeah. know, I don't even have to say the paper is on the side anymore. No. They just yes. know if I say, can you grab a piece of lined paper? They know to look in their desk and if they don't have one to just go mm-hmm. off to the side where I have lined paper or even... Um, you know, handing things out, the students know that someone's going to hand out their paper and they know how to hand out their paper, but I think that's a lot of repetition and a lot of, you know, they have learned, they've been taught how to. And that's that routine. And when I've been in your classroom, that's, that's so, um, evident within your class of the, uh, how you have built that routine within those students Mm -hmm. and, and how that reduces the anxiety. Yeah, well, I actually, one thing I, I, when you're talking about that and routine, something that I have carried on and that my kids appreciate here uh, with the older ones is that I have a schedule on the front mm-hmm. of the board mm-hmm. that tells them exactly what we're going to be going through yeah. mm-hmm. and all the, ele- the, the electives that are going to be that day. And they, they look at it every day so they can see what their day is like, yeah. mm-hmm. just yeah. like us, right? Like yeah. we like to know what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if totally. there's a change, also, especially for those kids who, who don't like change, they can see, oh, you know, what's coming up. I also have the calendar for the month. Yeah. yeah. So things yeah. get scheduled in and then they know. Yeah. 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 And that's important too, because like, especially in elementary when there's field trip forms going out yeah. and all these different wacky hair day or whatever, right? To have that visual of the month to kind of help keep mm-hmm. them on track and executive functioning, that planning, organizing can be a... Um, can be a, a challenging area for students with FASD. So having mm-hmm. those visually present mm-hmm. all the time is huge. Um, yeah, okay, so the FASD-informed approach also looks at the importance of providing accommodations and strategies to support students in instruction and curriculum. So um, what have you noticed that's helped your students? So when providing support for your students, taking a look at how you teach things, um, or maybe some of the resources that you use, uh, what have you noticed uh, that have been beneficial for your students? What have you done in your past? So thinking about, um, so that for myself, I noticed that when uh, I broke steps down or the instructions, and even more recently, uh, Meredith Keery with PopFast has shared a lot of Sarah Ward stuff, uh, get ready, uh, do and done. And yeah. in that last year, I was using that in my classroom where you show them, you work your way through and you start at the done to show them the end product. Mm-hmm. And then you show them the do, which is kind of like what you have to do to get that end product. And then the get ready. What are the necessary materials that you need to have in order to do that? Um, so that would be an example for myself, I think, when it comes to instruction of kind of always having, I found always having that end product for the mm-hmm. students reduced a lot of anxiety yeah. and a lot of like frustration of if they ever got stuck on something, they always kind of were able to look at that end step. Mm-hmm. But that was for me. How about, uh, no, no, let's start off with you and then we'll go to Korea. Um a funny thing, I, I always like to have examples. So every year I would keep an example of a previous mm. person's um, you know, assignment. And I, I do change things all the time, but I always try to look for a, a student example, right? To share so that they know yeah. and have that end product. But I also um, write down my learning intention. What is it that you want to know? Why are we doing this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And sometimes I get asked them, I may 
kind of let them tell me what they think I want them to learn. And it's kind of interesting. At first, when they do that, they're like, what do you mean you're learning attention? Well, I want you to learn something specific here. So what do you think it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was always giving it to them. But then when I asked them what it was, it was interesting because it made them think even more. Because again, OK, I wonder yeah. what it was, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's huge for, for the way I do things. I actually yeah. had to redo a lot of lessons from here because it's very individualized and they had a lot of kind of modular kinds of things. But I redid them and put the learning intentions on. Yep. And then the steps, breaking down the steps. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can say to that one student, I only need you to do step one and two. Or another student might be doing one, two, three, four, mm -hmm. right? But it all looks the same, yeah. which was also important for my older students when I was you know, in elementary for the sevens. They always want things to look the same for everything, right? Yeah. And then even here too, right? Like. Well, you only need to actually do this, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that was the way I kind of did with, with that. And the overhead. Like, I thought, coming to the older kids, I, you know, I might not have to show an example, uh, but using the overhead projector, huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's still huge. Honestly, yeah. I don't know how I, I taught before. Right. That's such a game changer, that uh, overhead oh. projector, the uh, oh. document camera, mm -hmm. I guess. Oh, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. And yes. Uh, how much that supports those students. Yeah. Karina, how about yourself? Um, one thing that, like, going forward next year that I definitely um, want to focus on more is, like, having those examples because, you know, mm -hmm. Everything is new for the first time this year, so any examples I need to make. So I'm definitely um, looking forward to having, you know, student examples that I can keep from year to year now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, breaking down, breaking things down into steps for sure. Um, I'll often go, I'll get everybody to freeze before we do anything and make sure that I have everybody's attention mm -hmm. um, before we go through steps because I know that if I'm talking and they're not listening, then yeah. we'll, we might get two of the steps or we might, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, whenever you're done explaining things and then you get that, oh, so what do I do? Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> one thing I'll do is sometimes I'll write up the steps on the board. Mm -hmm. um, I'll say, first, you're going to do this, then you're going to do this. And it's, of course, whenever you say the first step, everybody starts to do it. And it's like, oh, freeze. Yeah. Wait till I'm done. And then you can do all your steps. Um, having students call back the steps afterwards mm -hmm. just to, you know, reiterate. Or if maybe I have a few that I want to make sure really yeah. paid attention to the steps. Um, and plus, it always helps hearing it from their peers, too, what the steps are. So we have one more kind of like classroom question, and then we got the two stars and a wish coming up. So okay. uh, that's our last classroom question is when it comes to classroom management, we know that adding more consequences in punitive discipline doesn't always help the child with FASD or our complex learners. So I'm curious, what do you find or what do you do in your classrooms to support students and their behaviors and help them follow in the classroom rules and expectations? and so forth. So um, outside of that punitive and discipline, mm -hmm. what have you found in your one year and in your 27 years to have the most positive impact um, on students? I think what I've learned is that the punitive definitely doesn't work, but that when you really have all your lesson really thought out and it's at the students levels and you've got some choice um, and you continue to support them that you don't and you listen to them that honestly when you have those disciplinary kinds of things it's all about taking them and listening to them and trying to figure out what it is that's actually the problem, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that's the tricky thing in the elementary school because you have all these other people around and you're trying to figure this out. But also, again, taking the time to kind of not kind of jump in right away to say, oh, 
this has to stop, whatever. Trying to think, okay, so why is that person behaving like that? Mm -hmm. Work too hard, something's happened here, something's happened there. And taking the time to very quickly <laughs> uh, kind of say, okay, maybe this person needs to just have a break. Mm -hmm. Then we'll go back and we'll talk about it and try and figure it out. But it, it, it's come to the point where I honestly don't have any discipline issues anymore when you have all those things in place, mm -hmm. right? Um, so the time to talk with the students to find out, like, because I would imagine yes. you, you might not have the discipline issues, but you have students that okay, at times so would a, refuse yes, to do so work. So I would always have them come out of the classroom and take the time to say, okay, so what's going on, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, get them to explain, okay, I did this, that. Okay, so why do you think you did that? Hmm, okay, so this is what I saw. Is that what you were thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, and try and get down to the bottom of what's kind of happening here. And if you don't have time to kind of say, okay, so what you just did, tell me what you did, okay? And I say, well, this is what I saw and this is what's happened, okay? Um, is that fair? Is that respectful, right? Mm -hmm. I use that so many, mm -hmm. so much with discipline. Like you just took that person's pencil away and broke it. Is that being respectful? Would you like somebody to do that to you, right? Mm -hmm. And just talking to them like that and then when you have the time to actually go over that and explain and, and stuff because most kids want to do things that are good. They don't yeah. want to to do those things, but it's out of frustration. There's always some underlying reason, yeah. right? And once they know that you are wanting to understand that, it kind of is like at the, the last point when I was you know, where I was teaching, mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> I honestly would, I would just have to look at them and say, we'll talk about it later, mm -hmm. yeah. but now stop. And they respected me. They trusted me enough mm -hmm. to know that I would help with whatever it was. And if something wasn't fair or somebody was doing something to them mm -hmm. or whatever, we would solve it together. Yeah. And that trust really helped in in behaviors it sounds like your what you do to support students with behaviors in classroom it's relationships yes like it goes back yeah. to you're spending time with them proactively you're spending time with them figuring out what's going on and afterwards and and that trust that you've built within that relationship so there's not any kind of like magic steps that you use it's just a matter of uh, i always i always said to all my students that I would be fair, but I need you to be honest with me, um, and I would help you solve it, and mm -hmm. then we need to talk. It's all about communication, mm -hmm. right? You need to talk, you need to talk to that other person. That person I can see is really upset. Do you see that? Okay, so we need to un you need to understand why they're upset, right? So that doesn't happen again. Have you noticed that giving them time to process oh, is a huge part of Yeah, because of a lot of it is reactive, yeah. right? So they need to, but they also need to know that you're not going to be reactive. Yeah. And lots of times as teachers, you have all these kids in the room and somebody here is doing something and somebody here is doing something, right? Mm -hmm. So for, you know, lots of times it would be like, turn the lights off, put your heads down because I need a break. You all need a break and then stop and think, mm -hmm. right? Like some of you are causing, you know, some chaos in here. Like, why is that? Some of you are having to live in this or be a part of this. So uh, to me, I, 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 someone might say, talk them to death because my own kids say that. <laughs> Mom, <gasps> yeah, we get it. <laughs> I, do you really get it? Do you understand that? <laughs> but yeah they knew I was going to get to the bottom of it and I was going to be fair mm -hmm. um, 
And that work seemed to work for me. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Karina, how about yourself? That's uh, really cool um, hearing you say it with those words. Because, like, thinking about I never really thought about how I actually, um, you know, go about consequences and whatnot. Like, I just it's just something that I do and it's really cool to hear you say the way that you do it because it's like that's what I'm doing I just never had put it like into words um two things I always say to them too is um you know is that fair I when I give them a consequence or um some sort of you know what's the word restitution for mm-hmm. you know something mm-hmm. they've done mm-hmm. i'll always ask them is do you think that's fair mm-hmm. you know if i make them um write a think letter if that's something that you know i feel like is fair for them or you know have to clean up the mess they made or have to you know write a sorry letter or mm-hmm. go sincerely mm-hmm. apologize to someone i'll be do you think that's fair and mm-hmm. you know the, more often than not they say yeah that's fair yeah. Um, but i guess maybe giving them sort of feeling like they're they have some sort of say in mm-hmm. what um, their, you know, consequences. Um, oh, I had another thing I was going to say too. It sounds like you, you give said. them the opportunity to be part of the solution. Yeah. Right? So you're respecting them because as adults, we try to solve issues yeah. together. And it sounds like when you, when Nona, when you step out and you talk to them afterwards and privately, um, taking them away from their, their peers, mm-hmm. you're yeah. respecting them mm-hmm. and yourself yeah. giving them choice and yeah. giving them, um, the opportunity to kind of think about it, to, yeah. to reflect on it. That's also, mm-hmm. you know, that respectful mm-hmm. piece there that you're both are doing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I know sometimes too, one thing that I'll do is I'll just give them some time and space. I won't address it mm. at that exact moment, but I know sometimes the immediate addressal is important in order for them to make the connection of, oh, that's what I did. This is, that was not right. Whereas sometimes when you come back to it too far after the fact they're mm-hmm. like oh I, I don't even remember yeah. what i did yeah, yeah. I don't but then so some it, it depends on the situation sometimes yeah. and the student of course sometimes i feel like it needs to be addressed mm-hmm. right then and there um but then sometimes i feel like if they're just kind of shutting down to just give them that space mm. and give them that time and a lot of the students i find will just start working again yeah. you know yeah. they'll grab their new piece of paper because they ripped it up or they crumpled it up they know where to grab their new one and they'll just do it on their own and then we'll kind of talk about it afterwards like hey i get you're probably fr- pretty frustrated there like mm-hmm. do you think that was the most the most appropriate way to react to that and once they have their cool down time and they're in a calm state mm-hmm. i find sometimes it's a better time to talk mm-hmm. about you know oh, yeah. what yeah. went wrong and um, I feel like we can have a better conversation that way. But then, like you said, like sometimes you just have to stop it then and there. Like that is mm-hmm. unacceptable. Do, mm-hmm. do you think for both of you, making the expectations clear um, ahead of time so that mm-hmm. they know what's oh. expected oh, and yes. that repetition, that review of those yeah. expectations, yes. that constant thing, um, yes. really supports them mm-hmm. in their own understanding and their own ability to follow those mm-hmm. expectations because when i taught there that's what i found is that if i yes. went over an expectation once and really didn't review it and found that they kept on you know especially may and june right as a lot mm-hmm. of educators right now are experiencing that classroom volume and all that kind of stuff is getting louder and mm-hmm. louder and and whatnot um the importance of reviewing those mm-hmm. uh expectations is huge yeah. um, and if you don't then you kind of see the students that need that yeah uh opportunity to be reminded Um, but yeah and i think the other thing too is like that missing and lagging skills that we talk about uh just because a student might have been able to do it one time or two times it doesn't mean that they always get it and so it's important to have that in mind when you do give those consequences or you do have that restitution of you know um that however you want to choose it maybe it's a matter of directly reteaching that skill mm-hmm. and making sure giving them the opportunity to learn it mm-hmm. so very cool i love how you guys are at such different ends of the spectrum on <laughs> your experiences but yet mm-hmm. so similar yeah. awesome so at this point in the podcast we always do two stars and a wish and i'm excited to hear both of yours uh coming from such different uh parts in your careers and experiences so Nona, would you like to start off first with two stars and a wish? And it could be about anything, maybe your teaching career. Let's see, two stars over my teaching careers. It's got to be 
um, meeting all the wonderful, unique people as far as students and colleagues and, and everybody else. Um, and how I'm always learning something. I'm always learning something and I like learning how to do things differently. So, and I wish, uh, I wish that, I guess that there were even more people out there who support us and know what a difficult time it is to, to help our students, uh, that they would maybe just recognize and remember to give us teachers um, the recognition and support that we always need. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Nona. And Karina. Hmm. Two stars and a wish. Um, well, the biggest star to me is just like the relationship that I, you know, have with my students. And uh, like, Everybody always says that when I talk about, you know, my job or about my day, they're just like, you just glow when you talk about it. And that's really cool for people to see because that's how I feel. Like, whenever I talk about my little kiddos, like, I just love, I genuinely love spending time with them and getting to know them. Getting to know them as people, getting to know them as mm -hmm. learners, mm -hmm. and uh, just getting to have those fun days where... And I'll be, I'll be honest with them. I'll, t I'll say, hey, guys, like, I had a really fun day today. Like, I enjoy spending my days with you. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just so real. Like, I really just love getting to know my students and, uh, um, and like, watching them learn and seeing how they learn and learning about myself as a teacher, too, and as a person. I mean, this year has been so much growth for me professionally but also personally just mm -hmm. you know through the students and through my you know amazing colleagues at the school that I work at there's lots of support and you know if you need to cry one day because you're overwhelmed or you don't know what you're doing you know that there's always going to be you know 10 shoulders for you to cry on mm -hmm. um, so that's amazing and huge and I couldn't imagine doing it without all those amazing supportive colleagues and a wish, um, I guess I wish that, I mean, it's kind of an unrealistic wish, but it's definitely a no, wish. I, okay. I just wish sometimes that we just had more time with them mm. and more, you know, more resources available, more supports available, you know, as amazing as it is, like to have all the supports that we have, like to have more, like, could you mm -hmm. imagine how much more we could yeah. accomplish and how much more we could, you know, help students learn. Um, but yeah, that would be my wish. Fantastic. Well, thank you both of you so much for coming and sitting down and giving up your time after school to, to chat about the life of a new teacher, the life of an experienced teacher, and uh, kind of the role that your um, training and opportunities to learn from PopFast, kind of what role that's played within your teaching and the impact that it's had. And uh, yeah, it was just a fantastic uh, time sitting down and getting to hear about it. It went much longer than I was, it was. anticipating. It was fun. But it was, I know. I, could have I know. <laughs> <laughs> I like it's so cool. Yeah. And how neat it is to see those connections between yeah, you two. Exactly. Um, despite the divide in the year. So yeah. um, and so great. So uh, thank you so much, and I really appreciate. It. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome.